0: Good morning, church. Another Sunday morning. And here we are doing another video. This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 16, beginning with verse 19. Uh, there's a lot of different things I could have called this message I decided on, comfort or challenge. And that's because this passage of scripture, if you're a believer, brings great comfort. If you're not a believer, it should bring great challenge. And Jesus has been warning the Pharisees. Uh, In uh, chapter 16, verse 14, it says, Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard these things, and they derided him. All right? And he's been teaching them about different things they believed and how they were wrong. And so he comes to the parable about the rich man and Lazarus. In Luke 16, beginning with verse 19. Jesus says these words. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed the crumbles which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dog came and licked his sores. So it was, But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, there's between us and you a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rise from the dead. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again for all your many blessings, for your protection, Lord, for your grace, for what you do for us. And we just ask that uh, Father, you would guide us and direct us and, and that Father uh, you might open our eyes to see the things from your word that we're supposed to see. Holy Spirit, make your word come alive. Send it out in power, bring it back with what you intend. Lord, either challenge us or comfort us with these words, that we'll know where we stand before you, Almighty God. And Father, let us make the decisions today that will be pleasing in your namesake, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Dwight Moody, the famous evangelist from the last century, supposedly told a friend, and we've lost the friend's name and this, but... When the friend was visiting him, and he was sick, and it was apparent that before too long he was going to die. He said, at the moment, he said, one day you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of Northfield is dead. Don't you believe it for a minute, for at that moment I shall be more alive now than I have ever been and I shall have gone higher, is all the difference is, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that can, sin cannot touch, and sin cannot taint, a body fashioned into his glorious body. I was born in the flesh in 1837, I was born in the spirit in 1856, that which of the flesh may die, but that which is born of the spirit will live forever. Like that attitude of death. we more alive as Christians when we die than we've ever been. And death is not something that I was taught in when I was younger that's a polite conversation. We don't usually sit around and talk about death at the dinner table, but it's something we need to think about seriously. Are we ready to die? And uh, Jesus in this parable teaches a few things about life after death. And in this parable, he turns the Pharisees' ideas and many folks today's ideas upside down. They thought that if you were a rich person, you were blessed of God. They thought if you were a poor beggar, especially with sores, that you had done something and God's wrath rests upon you. They thought if you were rich, you definitely made it into God's kingdom. If you were poor, especially suffering the sores that Lazarus was suffering, you probably wouldn't make it. And Jesus turns their ideas and many of ours upside down. He did the same thing when he told them sayings like, the first will be last, the last will be first, that you can't save yourself, that you have to give yourself away for the kingdom of Christ in order to to really save yourself. And uh, of all the things we can learn from this parable, I think the most important is this. Our eternal destination is based upon our decision concerning Jesus in this life. Wherever we're going to spend eternity, Abraham's bosom was a euphemism or what they taught about heaven. The flame, the torment was Hades, hell. Where we're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell is based on what our decision concerning Jesus Christ is in this life. No do-overs, no mulligans, no take-backs. We make our decision now or we never make it. We enter eternal rest or eternal damnation. We are either comforted or, or we're convicted. We're challenged. And so, look at some things with me this morning about this parable. First of all, in verses 19-23, notice the reality. Notice the reality. Jesus starts off again. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple, the sign of royalty, fine living, fared sumptuously every day, every kind of treat, every kind of rich food, whatever you want in abundance, he had. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Some scholars call the rich man dies because in Latin that means rich. So the rich man fared sumptuously, but a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, it means he had sores everywhere. He was laid at his gates, and he just desired to be fed with the crumbs. And he was starved to death that fell off the rich man's table. Maybe they took them out as they swept them up, and cleaned up, and threw them out to those dogs. He so said, Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. That is not a little Fido helping your sore to heal. These are ravenous beasts that were considered unclean. If they're trying to lick his sores, they're hoping he's not alive and he'll eat him, they'll tear him. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, heaven. The rich man also died and was buried. I've often, and I'm chasing a rabbit here, wonder. It says that Lazarus was buried and he was carried to heaven by the angels. It doesn't say that he was buried, but they, they had a big funeral for the rich man. He was buried, you know, he was important. I wonder what happened to Lazarus' body, but anyway, he died and was buried to being in torment in hades there it is torment in hades he lifted up his eyes and saw abraham afar off and lazarus in his bosom lazarus right there beside him lazarus with him in paradise he said oh father abraham have mercy on me send lazarus that beggar that you said my head, send him dip his finger just in a, a drop of cool water put it on my tongue to cool it that i for I am tormented in this flame on fire, burning forever, and it never goes out. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. Likewise, Abraham, Lazarus, evil things. Now he is com- comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot. For those from there pass to us. And then the rich man speaks again. He says, I beg you therefore, Father Abraham, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify them, lest they also come to this place of torment. They're headed down the same road I did. That's what he's saying. Don't want them here. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets let." Them hear them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if one of them goes from the dead, they will repent. He said, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, even though one rise from the dead. See, this reminds us of the reality of what's going on. What is the reality? The reality is there is life after death. We need to understand there's a lot of people that believe in annihilation. The Jehovah Witness cult thinks that we're annihilated after death. If you're not uh, one of God's own, that you just cease to exist. But nature knows no vacuum. There's always something left, whether it's gas or ashes or something. There's not just annihilation and nothing. Nature knows no vacuum. Nature knows no nothingness of something that died. We need to understand the reality is there is life after death. In Job 14.14, 14, he asks a very serious question when he says this. He said, if a man dies, shall he live again? Through the centuries, men have debated that and argued that and wondered about that. And the answer from this parable and the answer from Jesus himself is there is life after death. We need to understand that. Jesus said it this way in, in the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 25, after Lazarus had died, Mary is talking to him and said, Martha's talking to him and said, uh, Look, if you'd been here, my, my brother wouldn't have died. And he said, Your brother rises again. She says, I know at the end of the days, at the last resurrection, at the last day. And she said, No. He said, I say... Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? The promise of eternal life with him. But see, it confronts unbelievers and comforts believers because both have eternal life. It's our decision with Christ determines where we will spend that life. After we die on this physical plane and maybe we're afraid you know death can be a little scary it's the unknown it's mysterious we're not told a lot about it but we have good reason to be comforted because this parable and other uh, passages in Scripture tell us a little bit about the afterlife it's either comfort or challenge It's a comfort for believers. Life after death is assured. Look at Lazarus. He's there in verse 22. He dies and he's carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom again. That Jewish way of saying paradise. It's a challenge because the rich man dies and is buried. He lifts up his eyes and he sees across that great gulf a long ways off. And he sees Lazarus with Abraham. And he's in torment in this flame that never ends. The challenge is for the unbeliever. The challenge of life after death without Jesus is judgment. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, that is the gift of God, not of works, which lest any man should boast. For the wages of sin is death, separation, paying for the our sins, our own selves, and eternal torment. We can never pay the price. But the gift of God is life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What have we done with Jesus? (laughs) See, as I said, nature doesn't know anything about nothingness, about nothing being left. Whatever it is, it may change a form, but there's always something left. Whether it's the gas or the skeleton or the ashes or whatever you want to call it, there's something left, and yet some want to hold on to that belief. But do we understand that after life, uh, there is a soul left. And it goes to one place or the other, depending on what we've done with Jesus, in this life. And in this life, once we've accepted Christ, 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, "If anyone's in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new." In other words, it makes a difference the way we live right now. Our actions should show that we belong to Jesus. Some people want to talk about soul sleep, some kind of intermediate state that's fuzzy in death. Okay. A cold type of existence. But the Bible does not teach that. When the Apostle Paul talks about some being asleep. That's his favorite way of saying they died. They died. And again you're either in Christ when you die. Or you're lost without Christ when you die. But it's based on our decision now. In his life. The rich man had everything you could want. He dressed in gorgeous clothes. He had a. A feast every single day. But he had prepared for what was afterlife. Maybe he did a few good works. Maybe not. We're not told that he ever said take Lazarus some of this food or give him some money to buy food. We're just told that Lazarus was so weak, so sick, he was carried and laid before the rich man's gates. And he used to beg just for crumbs off the rich man's table. The rich man had no compassion. He had no love. He didn't go out there. And yet if God's had touched his heart, if he truly believed that there was an afterlife, he truly believed that he wasn't okay with God, he would have done something about it. But like the Pharisees of his day, he was blessed. God wouldn't do that to him. He was a child of Abraham, but he failed to realize so was Lazarus. You may think because your daddy was a deacon or somebody helped found a church. You do so many good works you give so much money, you're okay. You've been baptized, you're a church member, Uh, you're an upstanding member of the community. All those are wonderful things and Christians should be those things. But notice that Christians and you're not a Christian until you accept Jesus Christ publicly as your personal Lord and Savior. Think you'll want to be baptized after you've been saved. Did you any good before? Don't be the rich man in this parable. See, the reality is there is life after death, but we prepare for it now. Now, it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card where we act like we want to. It's not a a pass, go, and collect $200. It is a life-changing experience. Jesus saves us from our sins by his death on the cross, his precious shed blood, and his resurrection from the dead. He won power and victory over death for us. When we accept his finished work of the cross and the resurrection, we too will be raised from the dead and like him. That's what the Bible teaches. The comfort for believers were to be with God. Where did Lazarus go? With God. Lazarus' name means God is my help, and God sent the angels to carry him, as many of our loved ones have experienced that. He was a believer, goes to be with God. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And since I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's the place where we dwell with Jesus, with God. It happens immediately, no soul sleep. In Hebrews thirteen five, we are told, Be content with such things as you have, for he has promised you he will never leave you nor forsake you. There's not a moment. We close our eyes in death. We awake to Jesus. We're never without Jesus. Even that penitent thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me when you come to your kingdom. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. We die. And then we go. Either to paradise. Or to torment. The challenge is to unbelievers. There's no annihilation. There's no just cessation. You see, he said there's a great torment. He said, just just send Lazarus. He wouldn't call out the right, right person. when not out to God. It's too late. He's calling out to Lazarus. Have mercy on me. That's why the great Gulf of said, so those there can't come, they would want to help if they could. You can't come there because you'd want to escape. He can't bring just a drop of water. Think about it. He's in such torment, Just one drop of water would be relief like heaven. And he can't get it. What a challenge. The Bible describes hell as a place that's hot. Flames describes a place where the worm eats and is never satisfied. And the fire burns and is never quenched. There's outer darkness, gnashing of teeth to gnash your teeth. You're doing it in pain. You're doing it because you remember all the chances you had to accept Christ or to live for Jesus. If you've accepted Christ as Savior, you're always going to be with Him and He's always going to be with you. If not, you're facing eternity apart. Do we know that? Sir Francis Newport was a famous Englishman. He, He was the head of the English Infidel Club. They didn't believe in God. He was an atheist. They gathered around His bed was set in the middle of the living room. They gathered around, having a toast to him and celebrating as he lay dying until he cried out these words. Don't tell me there is no God, for I know there is one. I'm in his angry presence now. You need not tell me there's no hell, for I feel the flames slipping, slipping around me as I go there. Wretches, cease your talk. Father, be in hope for me. I know I am lost forever. It's too late. It's too late. And he died. Are you ready? Are you comforted? Are challenged? See, the reality is there's life after death. The realm is heaven or hell based on our decision here. What's the recognition? The Bible teaches we'll know one another. we we'll would be different. We don't have the same sinful body. We don't have a body of pain. We we get a new body, like Jesus' body, at the final resurrection. Our soul goes to be with the Lord. See, Lazarus and dies new one another after death. Personal identities are not obliterated by death. Lazarus could look, he recognized Abraham, and he recognized Lazarus. Lazarus could look, and he saw the rich man and knew he was. So did Abraham. The personalities are preserved. Former things have passed away, but we're going to know one another. The Apostle Paul said, I know what you ignorant brethren of some have, having no hope concerning those who have fallen asleep or died in Christ. For the Lord himself will descend with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead will be raised first. And then we who are alive, we caught up with them in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will be together always. Comfort one another with these words. Comfort. You're going to know your loved ones. You're going to know Christ. The challenge. Here's the challenge, unbelievers, those that doubt. No sorrow in heaven. You won't be mourned. Those in heaven that might have mourned you, your family, your loved ones, your co-workers, those that told you about Christ. I'm going to mourn you. You had your chance. You had everything you needed to believe and respond to Christ. And you refused. And God was just sending you. Where you wanted to go he was right to do it and they will not mourn because of your unbelief so we had the reality life after death the realm heaven or hell <laughs> the recognition we know each other what about the requirement the requirement is you can know your destinies now John 5 the first John 513 says I write These things to you who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. You can know it by claiming God's promises. See, what determines our destinies? I've said it again and again. Eternal destinies are determined not by wealth, position, power, intellect, family relationships, or anything men hold so dear. The rich man had it all, but he had nothing that mattered in the end. Lazarus had nothing, but he had everything that mattered in the end. Eternal destinies are determined in the here and now based on what we do with Jesus. He was a believer, he went to be with believers. The rich man was an unbeliever, he went to be with unbelievers. The rich man dives, as many scholars call him, under supernatural decoration. He said, send Lazarus to my family so my five brothers won't come to this torment. Hell is so bad that those there don't want anybody else coming there. They don't, it's not misery loves company. they don't want anybody coming there. It's how bad hell is. I've heard people say, well, hell is really just here on earth. Everything is bad, I've experienced. You have no idea how bad hell is. You have no idea how bad it will be forever and ever under the judgment of God for sins that he provided a way to be forgiven. Reject Christ? Hell. And you don't have to do anything to do that. All you have to do is do nothing. Just do nothing. Don't accept Christ. Don't do anything. Trust on your own works. Just do nothing. And that's where we end up. Without Christ. The challenge What have I done with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? Is He your Savior and your Lord? You serve Him on a daily basis. You live for Him. He directs your paths. He gives you wisdom and understanding. The Holy Spirit controls where you're going to go. What about the comfort? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but by me. If you come to Jesus, you have Him forever. See, the Bible's plain. In Corinthians, when it says... In an acceptable time, I've heard you today is an acceptable time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Don't be comfortable in your salvation to fail others. Some of us think, well, I've got it made and I don't have to worry about it. And we fail to tell others. And I have a feeling Jesus is going to have something to say to us about that. Our eternal destinies are based on this decision. Hope or doomed. Comfort or Challenged. This parable, some want to make it well. It's not really true. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I think Jesus knew people's condition and knew this situation. He even names the beggar that knew him, Lazarus. Not the Lazarus that was his friend, but a beggar. Now, his omniscience, I think he knew the rich man. He knew what happened. He knows you. If you're one of his. If you're not, you need to become one of his. You need to cry out. So if you need to be saved, bow your heads and pray. Ask Christ to forgive you of all your sins. Come into your life and be the boss of your life. You need to come in rededication because you haven't been living for God and you've forgotten what all he's done for you. You need to come and join the church when we have an invitation time. Do that. If you have burdens that are robbing you of your joy and your comfort and your relationship, then you need to surrender those burdens to the Lord. Which are you, comforted or condemned? Only you and God know. Make sure which one and come out on the right side. Let's pray. Father, take this message. Don't let Satan and his emissaries steal it from us. Lord, don't don't let us forget it. Help us to examine our hearts and make sure we know you, the living Lord and Savior. and We have trusted you and your work on the cross. We're saved by your grace, Lord, but we have to respond to it. For those sitting within the sound of this message, don't let them ignore any longer. Draw them to your side, Lord. Wrap your arms around them. Chase them until they surrender to you. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Goodbye, church. See you next time.